0: Weren't you in a folk punk band?
1: I was double bass player in a folk uh, punk uh, band. That's... I used to play it on my head. Nice. Nice. That was my party trick during the gig and uh in it, it was the it was the the, the the kind of the ending, the last song I would put on the head for the last bit.
0: Did you smash it at the end of the gig? No, the
1: police blew it up though in Paris. Oh really? They they blew it up with a bomb, yeah. Bomb disposal unit blew up my double bass. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Nerd Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. We have Mitch and we have John, and we are welcoming back Jason Bernard, the returning brand surf guy. And we're so happy to have you back on the show, sir, because you know you've got a lot to share. I'm excited to see some of this stuff, and I know we are too. Uh, so thank you for coming back. Um, kind of really quickly, I guess. Uh, it's a very interesting fact, you're in Paris, France, but you're an Englishman, so you want to kind of like, because it's been like six, has it been six months since we last had Jason on the show? It's been a while. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like for an eternity, but yeah. uh, you want to get folks like, because it's a very interesting story, It's it's, and you have lots of very interesting stories, but uh, tell yeah. people who you are, where you're from, and all that.
1: Well, I mean, if, if we can show my screen, I can actually tell my story through my uh, brand mm-hmm. SERP. That's the idea of brand search. So Please. It should represent who you are, what you do, show it. and in my case, your history, your story. Uh, so I call myself the brand serp guy, and uh, that means basically I look after what appears when somebody searches your brand name, your personal name, your podcast name, your album name, your music group name, any, the name of anything when you're navigating to them or researching them, I look after that. And this is my brand set. And I've been working on this since 2013. And I'm also the knowledge panel guy, which is the thing on the right. Basically, we can we can say the left-hand side is Google's uh, advice. It's its best idea of what might be useful for you. The right-hand side is fact, which is why Google My Business is over there on the right on desktop. Google is saying this is facts about this local business. Uh, and I focus a lot on knowledge panels. And knowledge panels and Google My Business are kind of very similar, as we'll see later on. And John Mueller actually now calls me Mr. Knowledge Panel, John Mueller from <laughs> Google, um, which is delightful. And when he sees a, a tricky or interesting situation, he tweets me uh, and I have a look into it. And it's those rabbit holes I go down at the weekend. Uh, I'm currently living in Paris. And you can see that from the LinkedIn profile. So as I, as you can see, immediately looking at my brand, so you can see that I live in Paris. Yeah. Then we can see... Uh, that I used to be a voice actor. I was a cartoon blue dog. Uh, that's on the IMDB profile that I have. And the songs in the right-hand side in the knowledge panel, the songs up Isn't there, there is me, the blue dog. For people listening, we are looking at a blue dog and a yellow koala dancing. And <laughs> this is also in my brand, sir. Then I was a punk folk musician. You can see the barking dogs there. We were talking about that. I played double bass in a punk folk band. Um, and we toured in Europe for eight years, almost 10 years, in fact. Played 660 gigs, and uh, we actually played with some fairly famous people, including Bob Dylan. We supported Bob Dylan at a festival, um, which was really exciting, Mm -hmm. and Captain Sensible from The Damned, one of my great heroes. (laughs) So that was a great career that lasted 10 years. And I've got a groovy podcast that you can also see in my brand Sir, with guests from the digital marketing space, intelligent, interesting, and fun, and I absolutely love doing the podcast as well. I'm an author and I have articles on the Brand SERP from search engine journal, search engine land, and I'm the founder of Caddy Cube. Uh, We have, we specialize in Brand SERPs and knowledge panels and we have a SaaS platform and we have courses and I'm just finishing off a book as well. So there, as you can see, I am the Brand SERP guy. And if you look at my Brand SERP, if you search my name, Jason Barnard, you will see who I am, what I do, who my audience is, why you might be interested in me, but also my entire life story is written out there because I've convinced Google that this is the story it should be telling. There you go.
2: Yep. And uh, done. I can tell you right now, all of that that you just did, a lot of our listeners and folks that are watching this on YouTube and looking at it going, oh, I just thought I needed a website. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there's a little bit of layers to this.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of layers to I th- this. I thought
0: I just needed to buy some AdWords.
2: Yeah, I thought I just needed some Google Ads, you know? Uh, it's like, because uh, in our world, that's usually the first thing that comes to their mind. It's like what everything you just illustrated, oh, God, I don't know. We we see all the time is neglected. Um, and, you know, I love the fact that you mentioned and started that you've been doing this since 2013. Hmm. Uh, so this isn't something you started last week. <laughs> No,
1: it it takes a lot of time, but I love the way you you presented that. It's, oh, I thought I just needed a website. And you you need to start with your website. That's really important. And you need to get Google to understand that that website represents you or your company if you're a company or the band if you're a a music group like we were. And Google will then look at that and it will use it as an authoritative source, the authoritative source Mm -hmm. for information about you, at which point you can tell Google your story and convince Google to tell your story through that brand SERP. So you do need a website, that's where it starts. And then as you said, Jonathan, there's lots of layers to build on top. And as you said, Jason, eight years and you get something like this. Uh, it, It would have taken me less time, but because I was researching and testing and figuring things out, I made a few mistakes and had to clean them up. So, I mean, I would expect two years and you can get something like that for any brand, any person. Um, as long as Google has correctly understood them and it's not too ambiguous, but you know, count, look at two
0: years. Yeah. But yeah. So to your to your point, this isn't something that somebody can go out and just <clears throat> put in action, and it's going to happen immediately. It's not going to happen no. overnight. There has to be a a plan and a strategy, and then a little bit of patience because it takes time for Google to acquire. Yeah. And to I don't know what's the, to digest. I guess for lack of a better term, this data.
1: Sure. I mean, I I use the analogy of a child. Google's a child, and we're the adult. And as adults, we're educating this child about who we are, what we do, and who our audience is. And so from that perspective, as with a child, the child doesn't learn from one day to the next an entire topic. You have to explain, you have to Uh, re-emphasize different points in different places, you have to get it confirmed by grandma, by the sister (laughs) by the baker down the road by the head teacher and they all need to tell that same story the same uh, explanation and so that's the trick is basically you're educating a child who needs to understand and then have repetition from trusted sources so it's confident and at that point it will understand, it will be confident it's understood and it will repeat your message back to you Mm-hmm. in the f- shape of your brand sir. So it will tell your brand story as you want it to tell. Because think about it, Google doesn't have any reason to tell your brand story inaccurately or negatively. It wants to reflect what you want to say as long as what you say is fair about yourself.
2: Yeah, I think that's something that I, I really took to heart early on was like, wait a minute, this thing has got, yeah, it's an algorithm, it's doing all this you know, mm-hmm. fancy stuff, but at the end of the day, whatever I'm putting out there that's a solid, That's what it's reading. Right. It's uh, not making yeah. stuff up. Yeah. Well,
0: and that's... I mean, that speaks to... It speaks to the necessity of being strategic about mm-hmm. what you put out there. Mm-hmm. What you... What you you know, the, 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 the information and in, in the words, pictures, et cetera, that you're putting out on the larger internet about yourself, you need to be strategic, especially if you're a business, about what you put out there and how you, how you talk about yourself and how others talk about yourself, which... Jason Davis, to your point, I think leads back to why your website is so important, and it's the sort of can be the linchpin in in all of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, yeah. linchpin's a really really nice idea. Sorry to interrupt you You're there, good. John. I mean, I, I use the term entity home. An entity is a thing, so your business is an entity. I'm an entity. This podcast is an entity. And the idea of entity home, John Mueller from Google, has been saying, yeah, this is a great way of looking at it. But linchpin is the equivalent. It's saying this is where. All the information, uh, it, it, it turns around this point, and this is the point of reference, Lynchpin, point of reference for information about this business, this person, this podcast, that Google can use as a reference to compare other information to, and Google call that reconciliation. Sorry, Jonathan, I interrupted
3: you. Y'all, you're fine. I was going to say exactly that just as eloquently <laughs> as you stated it. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm just kidding. I was going to say we, we come across people all the time who are positioned one way and then they say I want to I want to get this type of business or I want to attract these type of people but they're not putting anything out you know out into the into the atmosphere no to let Google know that that's what they want to attract or you know yeah. they don't want something but they've got themselves out there as you know uh, underneath a certain topic and it's confusing Google so Google doesn't know, uh-huh. know what what their personal brand is or what their company brand is yeah. so it's just you know I, you got to be a lot more intentional than i think a lot of people are oh
0: yeah well I, I think there's maybe there's a misconception in people's mind that google just does a lot of this stuff all by itself right. Some like it's some kind of magical entity like the wizard of oz or something well, that it
3: can discern <laughs> right know? and it can
1: to a degree i mean we can we can obviously
0: go but into
3: in that. fact yeah.
1: right. <laughs> no and, and it's a confused child and and the other analogy i use is that if you look at the information around the web about you it's fragmented so this child has got a broken plate, and it's trying to put the broken plate back together as a puzzle. And it's not sure if it's got it right. It doesn't know quite which piece fits where. So it's got this kind of puzzle, and it's it's all a bit of a mess, and it's not really sure if it's put it together correctly. And your entity home, your pivotal page, your your, um, fulcrum page, whatever that might be on your own website, is the plate, the completed puzzle, that Google can then, the child can then compare its version to this version, and say, yeah, I've got that right, I've understood correctly, or I've misunderstood and start to think about correcting it.
2: Yeah, I know this uh, over since I think there was an update late September, and I don't know, for me, I oh, know, Jason, if you may have, I'm sure you know lots more about this than I do, of course, but it's like it just has seemed to be a little bit weird <laughs> on the <a> search engine <laughs> you know what I mean like um there's but there's a term that that you know I don't think it should be this easy but I just kept pushing it around from page one to two and up and down and I'm like what's going on this shouldn't be this easy for me to do this with with just simply making a swap in the title tag you know from you know from front to back and you know I, I would test and rewrite copy like the first paragraph on a web page and I'd go back and I like okay well I'm gonna make that sure that that reflects in the meta description blah 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 and all that and I would just keep testing different stuff and I just watch this thing bounce around like a ball on a basketball court and it was just like I don't I'm all like this should not be something's wrong I shouldn't have this easy of a time to kind of move this thing around and I'm not saying that because Jason's acting like I'm that good no I'm thinking like something's broke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean this year has been a spectacularly. Um what would you say, volatile year for Google. It's had more updates than we've ever had before. And the other thing is I track the knowledge graph, which is Google's understanding of the world. Basically, it's the information this child has understood and is confident it's understood. And that has updates too. Every now and then, the child has this kind of light bulb moment and it updates itself and suddenly understands a big chunk more of the internet. And that's been updating more often, especially the last two or three months. So it's interesting you should say that. But not only have we had main algorithm updates that have been throwing things out of whack, but we've had the knowledge of the child updating at the same time, which hasn't happened before either. So, and and that's a nice kind of piece of advice for people. If this year has been spectacularly up and down for you in terms of Google performance, it's probably normal because this year has been spectacularly up and down
0: for pretty much everybody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed they uh, there's like, just with the title tags that you have in the search results, I've seen a lot less uh, sites that have empty tags and home (laughs) because usually when people fire up a website or get one, they forget like the word home should not be in your title tag. And I'm seeing a lot less of those show up in search results amongst various sites, amongst various platforms, not just WordPress, but Square and others.
1: In fact, one of the updates is that Google now writes its own meta title mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. If, if it finds something like that. And there's been people complaining because sometimes it does it quite badly. But the reason they did it was because of exactly what you've just said. is because there are so many sites out there, out there that don't have a good title for their page. And mm-hmm. so Google thinks, well, we're going to do them a favor and rewrite it for them, which in a lot of cases has been helpful, but so f- for some people it's been really annoying. Yeah. And on that point as well, major corporations, you talk about the, the title, the description, if you look at Coca-Cola, you search for Coca-Cola now on Google, the title says Coca-Cola uh, International Homepage or something like that, which is already not very great. And then it says <laughs> Coca-Cola is a trademark of the Coca-Cola company. The Coca-Cola bottle is the shape of the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola company. And that is because they haven't even written a meta description. Yeah. Coca-Cola, when you search for their name, they've just got a copyright notice right at the top. Beautiful. Brand, so. <laughs> it's
0: terrible. That's nice and human and, and touchy and yeah. feely and makes me want to pop open a bottle. <laughs> yeah, and I've that noticed that a advertising
1: lot. advertising for Coca-Cola, by the way. I do apologize.
0: That's all right. Free plug. Yeah,
2: I've noticed that a lot uh, as well. Like, I, I've, I've known for a while that the meta description is quite often rewritten because Google's looking at a page and, and I've had conversations with John and the team at NerdBrain about, like, on our site we're going through uh, a process of rewriting copy and new build imagery whole thing so everybody out there listening watch for that in april we hope it'll be there on time we don't know next december yeah yeah it kind of kind of depends on what happens in the world you know (laughs) but it's like being more strategic about like okay this page is about that and not this and 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 you know because that's that's what I've seen is like Google's like reading that and saying like well this page is about multiple things but according to this term eh, this is as close as I can figure out what this actually is supposed to be about Mm -hmm. when they get here so being more strategic about if it's sites about marketing just talk about marketing but don't throw in there maybe like you know social media and other, other things you know I think there's a that's where things are starting to, I feel like, change. The page, Google wants to see pages right. more strategically, more like that one thing. What's the one thing you're trying to tell right. people, you know? Not this one thing and 17 others because you're hoping it converts a sale. Whatever,
0: whatever will hook.
2: Right. So right. Uh, that, I've, I've kind that, of that's up on that. That's a great
1: point. Um, and I think you've probably put your finger on that the whole kind of year has been about that. It's focusing in and being more intelligent about and more strategic about what we're talking about on an individual page what solution does it provide to our users to google's users in fact who are our audience um and and that that focusing in on a specific thing and focusing on your core topic as well what we're seeing is that sites that couldn't rank before because google was looking at links and keyword counting Mm -hmm. can now rank if they are specialized in a particular topic and google understands that they're specialized in that topic that they're experts and they're authoritative for that topic.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like you said. It's like a child trying to learn. I mean, I I don't. I tried learning multiple things at once one time, and it didn't go well. So I just focused on one thing, and by gosh, I learned how to do Photoshop. But you know what? To this day, Illustrator <coughs> eludes me. <laughs>
1: no. But, but you, you've made a really good point though. In fact, the, the child is looking who to ask for specific pieces of information. So it's not going to ask the baker about how to cook meat, yeah. mm-hmm. for example. And so the child is looking around and it's saying, who can I trust for the authoritative and helpful information about a particular topic? And the baker, if he's talking or she's talking about meat or, or vegetables, the child's going, that doesn't make sense. If I, I can't believe them. They, they want the baker to, to talk about bread yeah. and things around bread and sandwiches and whatever else. Bakers do sorry go
2: ahead yeah <laughs> no you're good i want to get into like uh seeing actual some examples uh, in some of the the slides you have of some of these panels and and stuff to kind of let kind of just give people kind of like a visual and so if you're listening to this podcast please go to youtube like subscribe click the bell there see guys i did my job um <laughs> and uh make sure that you uh go and check this out because what jason has to show i kind of want to go through it and let him just kind of, you know, run free here. Cause, uh, it's, it's really fascinating. So the floor is yours, sir.
1: Right. Well, I mean, in fact, kind of, we've, we've got slides up here and I think I'll lead you, you guys to help both by inserting questions, but also comments and also explaining what I'm talking about for the people who only got audio. Mm-hmm. But right now we're looking at the Oxford cheese company, uh, which is a cheese shop in Oxford. And I like, um, because we can go through this Google My Business panel. It's a Google My Business panel. That's what we're looking at, at least in the first half of the show. And I want to look at which elements we control or the business controls and which elements Google is just pushing in there. And if you look at the reviews, for example, we know very well that Google reviews appear on Google My Business or Google Business Profile, as it's now known. And obviously, the business doesn't control them because it's the customers, the clients who are giving these reviews, but you can encourage your happy customers to give reviews <laughs> and i think a lot of local businesses forget that we do that mm-hmm. yeah brilliant well the oxford cheese company haven't done such a great job they've only got 48 <laughs> reviews uh, i would suggest they could have more and i mean they could give out a card uh, on the way out to the shop or they could have a sign on the door that says please give us a, a google review and the other thing is giving instructions to people so it's simpler for them to actually do that uh, underneath that you've got the category it's a cheese shop and they get to choose that so there's some control that they have uh, apparently you can choose up to nine categories but the first category the principal category is the one it will show the others just help you rank for related keywords around the topics of those categories so they could put, potentially put grocery shop if they sell other things than cheese but their primary primary role is to sell cheese um, so that's obviously something contru- controlled Service options, in-store shopping, they can control that, they can change that, because obviously Google can't know that. Located in, it's in the covered market. Now that's interesting, because that's Google's own Google Map system deciding that this shop is actually in a covered market and it isn't on the street. Mm -hmm. So they don't control it. So if Google gets it right, you're happy. But if Google gets it wrong, there's actually not very much you can do about it except re-educate the child, but that's a whole different topic, and we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> the address is obviously for your, yours to control. The hour's open, too. Health and safe, safety mask required in these COVID times. Google gave us control over that pretty quickly after COVID because it's obviously incredibly important. And I think COVID a year and a half ago now really pushed things forwards in terms of Google's management of real-time information in local mm. business. Uh, that was really cool. From that perspective, excuse me, that was totally out of place uh, <laughs> the only reason covered might possibly have been cool is that we got control of the google business we, profile for some
2: we know what the um, intention behind that was
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and one thing I, I think a lot of people wonder about is the popular times and we see that it's the little mm-hmm. graph with the little blue lines mm-hmm.
2: that say i was going to ask you the, about that yeah i was going to ask when you that,
1: is like... the shop full yeah and and Kind of people think, oh, I wonder how they get that information. It's basically Android phones. They mm-hmm. track Android phones and how many Android phones are in that shop at any given moment. So they can tell, relatively speaking, when it's full and when it's not full. Interesting. When it's busy, when it's not busy. And the other thing is it's, if, if you have a small shop and you think, well, I hardly have any Android phones coming, or I'm an Apple store, in which case there are no <laughs> Android phones coming into your shop. Um, What it can also do is extrapolate that data. So it doesn't have to have explicit data for a specific shop. Hmm. It can actually just guess and it makes very good guesses. So that's not something you can control, but it is something that I think a lot of people look at. I mean, if I was gonna go to the Oxford cheese shop, I wouldn't go at four o'clock in the afternoon because Google tells me it's gonna be busy and I don't like queuing up because I'm grumpy.
0: I think you're you're exactly right. I I think especially things like restaurants. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. I've used it for the gym. Like, I don't I don't right. want to be there when it's packed. Right, you know? right. Yeah,
0: I don't go Right, anywhere,
2: and it's so incredibly I
1: useful. And <laughs> it, well, It's an incredibly useful functionality, and I think, I mean, I certainly use it. And as a business, then, you you, you obviously kind of want it to represent um, your busy times correctly, because it also helps you to keep business down at, at, at busy times, and hopefully they come back at a time when it's less full. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing here, we've got the reviews. There's actually something quite interesting about the reviews is if you've got these reviews stuck on your Google business profile and you think, that but they never change. The, the answer is they don't change very often. Google changes them every... Joy Hawkins uh, was, was saying, you know, it's about once a year Wow. And there's no system for how Google chooses them. It just chooses them, and it can be, like in this case, there's a two-star review. And it says, this is yearly outing for my family, and we enjoy it immensely every year. And there are several things that trouble <laughs> me <stars>. about that. <laughs> yeah, it, they do it every year, but they only give it two stars. Why are they going back every year? And thirdly, it's an outing for the family, and it's a cheese shop. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's a Monty not, Python skin.
2: Yeah, it's like going to the dentist. Like we just like visiting the office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just not, the lighting is just so nice.
2: Yeah, we're not here for any work or anything. We just like you know, we just like the lighting.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. But <laughs> that's interesting about how how infrequently Google updates that. You would think. I mean, I would have automatically assumed that it updates depending on the frequency of of, of reviews being posted. But which to me seems logical. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder why the... I mean, can you shed a little light well, into why it, it doesn't update any more frequently?
1: I, I honestly don't know, but here you can see there aren't any dates on the on the actual reviews it's showing, so it's giving itself that leeway. Um, what how algorithmically it does it is. For us, impossible to know. I asked Joy Hawkins, who knows more about this than I do, uh, and she was saying, you know, it's what we observe, but we don't actually have a pattern or any helpful advice to give about it, Um, (laughs) which is really unfortunate. Um, But I would imagine as time goes by, Google are going to get more fluid and flexible with this. So I think we can hope for that to improve.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess that Um, makes sense. Maybe it's because it's like, maybe it's the most popular one. Maybe people look at it because I know, like, you know, for like in WordPress, if you do a blog post, like you're thinking, Mitch, the latest one is going to be at the top, right? You know, but there's a widget you can always say like po- most popular posts, and they can go back years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the one that's always frequently like click throughed. You know, to to view don't yeah, know, this, maybe they're, they're, we that's don't a know guess. With the rhyme or reason, <laughs> yeah, that's
3: my, yeah, that's my yeah, it's my Google website. users can <laughs> go in and like a review. I think if I remember right, so oh, maybe it's the ones that are like you can say if this review was helpful i might be thinking of amazon i don't know but (laughs) i'm pretty sure you can as a a google user you can go on different profiles you can go on different reviews and and look at people's reviews and then like it if it was helpful um i don't know if there's like a dislike thumbs down yeah Yeah, and
1: and what one thing i mean i was talking the other day to to some colleagues and one thing i think we forget is google is actually a very fragmented company So Mm -hmm. they have a team looking after the Google business profile. Within that team, you're gonna have a team looking after the reviews and the reviews actually feed into other products too. So they have this interreliance between these different products that they try to integrate, but because the teams are all completely independent, Mm -hmm. it's actually quite difficult to do that horizontal integration. Uh, And I was talking to Fabrice Canel, who's the product manager for for the Bing bot. And he was saying at Microsoft, they actually work but each section of Microsoft has what would be termed a CEO. So they have a, a, a an overriding boss who will be looking after whole groups of teams and bringing them all together. And at Google, they're all very independent. And another thing that uh, Gary Idish from Google told me was that these uh, different products, different ideas on Google, like Google Posts, Google My Business Posts, mm-hmm. It's somebody at Google who picks it up and runs with it and decides that it's going to be something. And if if that person leaves the company or gets bored with the product or goes and do something else, a really great product can be dropped by Google. Yeah. Mm, so wow. it, it, it's, it's it's the yeah. enthusiasm of individual people to drive a team forwards that will make or break a product much of the time. Yeah, i miss
3: Google reader.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I do. It was good.
2: Uh, I don't think I don't I even know what it. it was. The RSS feed reader that kind of like Feedly oh took over. Oh, I remember Feedburner. Was that related uh, to that in a way? Because I know that's really that's really old. It's related, I think. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember.
3: But Google Reader used to be, you know, where you subscribe to different RSS feeds for yeah. blogs, and it was like the first or the most popular one for years, and then they just kind of out of the blue deprecated it, and people were sad.
1: Huh. Yeah. It's yeah. A well, product. The, there is actually somewhere online a page of the Google graveyard and it lists all the Google products that have lived and died. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can actually visit the Google graveyard on a site. It's not a Google yeah. site, <laughs> um, which is, is kind I of interesting
0: to my desk.
2: Yeah. Somewhere <laughs> at the top is like Google Plus, And they're like, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie. But, but there's 60 million users that are like, we miss it. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually very good. That's that's really insightful because I've kind of wondered about that, too. And I'm like, well, you know, I always figured, like, well, maybe it was a revenue thing. Maybe it was a usage thing. But, you know, as you just highlighted, no, no. It was just, you know, somebody internally was, like, really passionate about it. And then they yeah. left, you know. And, and it then disappeared. That was it. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody else was like, eh, well, you know.
1: I mean, I would imagine that kind of it's the enthusiasm of the team lead that gets it to to the goal of being released, and at that point, it's clicks and revenue streams and all of that that makes the decision as to whether it survives. Um, but and and then there must be also kind of revenue um, aspects to it. Is that the person can't just say, "I think this is great" and drive with it, run with it. They're going to have to convince their bosses. But at the same time, that idea that the the development of an individual product is going to depend a great deal on one individual driving it forwards is actually quite insightful and and gives you a good idea of why Google keep having these products that appear and then disappear.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to focus on something and then I'm probably going to want to pay attention to that because of that mechanism being there and not, you know, try to like keep working with something that isn't as enthusiastically Pursued, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you
0: know, yeah. We we you know we've talked about in the, Im- the importance of your website and it determining what your um, Google My Business panel, con- the information and things it contains. What about the other aspects of your brand besides your website, like your other digital uh, properties, for lack of a better description, I guess the, your 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 YouTube channel, your Facebook page, your Twitter feed. How do all those things? Do they have an impact on information in, that is out there and how Google yep. digests who you are and what you're about?
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a great question because it is it is those different channels are different members. If you control them, you can think of it as different members of the family repeating the same thing that you were. Mm-hmm. Different sources of information within the same family, uh, whereas third party sites would be the baker, the school teacher, the policewoman, and so on and so forth. So all of those controlled or semi-controlled channels, like uh, here we can see Twitter, for example, or YouTube or LinkedIn uh, are going to be helpful as uh, supporting evidence for the child from a close family member in the child's case. And here what we can see is Google has understood on its own that this Twitter profile belongs to Oxford Cheese Company. They don't get to say that in Google Business Profile they have, Google has to understand it, and that comes from multiple things. But the most important, once again, is the website linking to that Twitter profile yeah. and that Twitter profile linking back. It's really mm-hmm. simple. That isn't enough on its own. But if you have profile pages and review pages around the web and you cite your Twitter profile, Google will eventually understand because it will see this information repeated multiple times. And that repetition, it's a child you teach by repetition
2: right yeah i think a lot of times in my world when it comes to connecting those things the open graph i always i just like calling it the og data because it just sounds funny (laughs) but i mean we know like what that is but you know in in web if you look at the the head stack of a site you know you see the og and then Mm -hmm. there's twitter and there's all that in wordpress there's a great obviously plugin's been around Yoast devalk has had uh yost seo for quite some time. And uh, it's always been like my preferred SEO plugin, even though I know there's all in one. And I believe, John, you found one a while back. I've heard a lot of, uh, I think it's, is it rank math? Something like that, yeah. Um, for WordPress, yeah. you know, you've got the ability to actually do what you just said by connecting those accounts, by just putting in that information mm-hmm. and yeah. optimizing with through those panels. I mean, WordPress is kind of like, I'm ready to go with Google or let's have a party. Um, But, you know, a lot of times it's just so underutilized even from that perspective because it's, uh, you know, it's really hard to kind of focus on all the things. I know that, you know, as a business owner, you're like, okay, I got a site. Pictures are on there, copies on there. But all the stuff we're talking about, you've really got to have an agency or somebody that is kind of watching that and making sure all that's there. Because I've come across several places that just simply – didn't have any pages ranked on Google just because they forgot to uncheck something.
0: Well, I mean, that's I think that, <laughs> that's 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 the benefit of having a expert like maybe nerd brand <laughs> or wow or, or, shameless plug or or, or the or, or the brand SERP guy. Seriously, yes. Dick basically knows how to choreograph. Help you choreograph oh, that's these nice. things. Oh.
1: You're good at the words, aren't you? Aren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. Choreograph. <laughs> I, I,
0: have you, I'm the creative guy. Yeah, know? he better be. He's the creative director. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what it is. You, you, I mean, you've got to choreograph these things to make sure that everything is in sync. Each instrument, if you will, is in sync with the next instrument. Mm-hmm. So it's all.
1: And if you, if you're choreographing with your Twitter, as it were, then you need to have two partners dancing together one of which is your website, which is what Jason just described. But the other is Twitter needs to point back. So Twitter, actually, you need to play the game both ways. Mm -hmm. You need the partners to work together for that dance to work. I like choreography,
0: (laughs) even if I can't say it. (laughs) Glad glad I could help.
2: (laughs) Mitch quite often will say stuff, and it makes it into books, podcasts, (laughs) video. We just, you know... I think a while back you said something with, uh, we had guest Christoph Trapp yeah, on the show. he said,
0: I, can I use that? He emailed me, can I have permission to use that? I forget what it was. I said, can, can I get permission from you to use that? I want to use that. And I said, uh, sure. Yeah, I don't think. you write the check too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: that didn't happen. No, I didn't see that part. <laughs> no, though. check.
1: Oh, well, now we're looking at the Nosebag Restaurant,
0: uh, which is also an Austin. to search. get to that. I uh, yes. had to, got to.
2: I want to get to the one that's the dirty word, but in French. I, I really want to know what the word is when you get to that one. But I'll, let's right, get to yeah, let's go. Like a, ahead. Yeah, do we'll, those we'll, do,
1: we'll try to speed this up a little bit because I do get a bit obsessed. I mean, we've talked about the, 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 the basic aspects and we won't repeat ourselves. But here you can see at the top left-hand corner, you can see two pound signs, i.e. British pound money signs saying that this is relatively inexpensive. So mm-hmm. you have the option of having the price, which is actually something that you can set. Um, As we move through this, I won't stop on the things we've already talked about. Reviews from the web. Now, you've got those reviews from Google, and in this case, they've got 319 reviews from Google, which is quite good. But we have reviews from around the web. Slurpee, 80%, 1,900 votes, and Happy Cow, 3.5 out of 5, 14 reviews. Where do they come from? They come from, obviously, these third-party review sites. And why do these ones appear and not other ones? If a review site has schema markup, ranks on your first page of your brand search when you search your own brand name, that allows it to be a candidate for appearing here. And Google will then choose the one or ones, one, two or three, that it thinks are most representative of your brand. And now here's a really good hint. If you think it's got it wrong, if you think the happy cow reviews don't represent the Nosebag restaurant, It's up to you to figure out why Google thinks that's important and either convince it that another one is important, potentially by linking to different review sites from your own site to indicate that those are the ones you think are important. That won't change it on its own, but it helps. It's another clue for Google. Or going to the, sending your clients to the happy cow review site and getting the happy customers to give more reviews to push that score up so you look better in the Google My Business or the Google Business profile.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, since schema um, that I was like, I come across that a lot in web, where there, it just doesn't exist, yeah. or it's totally relied upon too much by a plugin. If it's on WordPress yeah. to power that, and it's like you can't do that. I mean, you, it's just part of the tool, but you need a developer. You need somebody who knows that code to go ahead and put that there.
1: <laughs> right, and and schema markup is is an interesting point because from the child analogy, I'm going to keep coming back to that. It's actually the the bullet list. For the child that confirms what it's already been told mm-hmm. so everything that's in the schema is going to be in the page and then the schema markup just gives it a bullet list in its native language so that it, it it's what would you call it revision it's like when you're revising for an exam That the child is using that as supporting um learning material oh and i forgot one thing on the on the left hand side you can see enduring and simple wood furnished self-serve canteen for signature soups salads and casseroles that description right at the top of the Google business profile is written by a Googler. Huh, huh. What appears to happen is that the machine will generate a title and then a Google, Googler will then go in and rewrite it slightly because this looks like it's been written by either reviewers or a pretentious kind of like um, restaurant <laughs> um, critic. critic. Right. And so this is actually provided by Google, so you can't control it. Okay. Whereas the one on the, at the bottom from Nosebag Restaurant is the um, description you actually put into your Google business profile. So you control that. So some local businesses are going to have a description which is actually provided by Google, which is based, we believe, on customer feedback. Hmm. We believe. <laughs> we believe. We don't know. But it, it, it's definitely, uh, I, 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 it's definitely um, corrected by a human being at Google but I think it's generated by Google's own machine learning mm. and then corrected by a Google before it's pushed out onto the site.
2: Yeah. yeah, gives the actual person a bit of a head start and clue about what they need to kind of proofread and correct. That, makes, yeah, that, and, that would make
1: and, sense.
0: And is, so if it doesn't sorry, look like yeah.
1: written. <laughs> yeah. and 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 this, once again, it, the thing about reviews, and we'll really quickly touch on this, it's not just the score that matters, it's what people say in them that matters as well because Google will understand attributes about your business. And I use coffee shop, for example, when I'm traveling, I will say coffee shop with Wi-Fi Mm -hmm. or free Wi-Fi. And the coffee shop has not put in its Google business profile anything about Wi-Fi, but the reviewers have talked about great great free Wi-Fi. And when it shows me the result, it will pull up those reviews with the the correct term. So Google is understanding that this coffee shop has free Wi-Fi through the reviews and not through the owner. So reviews, getting people to be your pl- happy clients to be verbose about what what they enjoyed, what was good, um, obviously not what was bad. That would be a bad idea. Right. Um, <laughs> is really helpful and it will help write this description.
2: Yeah, I've seen that on a web page before where we've placed a review on a, uh, a website page, and whenever somebody looks for that, that review is in the meta description. And, yeah. and I saw right, yeah. like the click-through rate just fly through mm. and I knew, I was like, well, we are never revising this because that's actually <laughs> leading to a <laughs> you know, really good traffic and numbers that, that we want because people are just reading that. I think a lot of times we get a little hung up on what we put on there. You know, we want it to say like our business name and something cute and this well, and that like, you know, sometimes it's one of those happy accidents. It's really, and you've talked yeah. about it before, like, uh, I've seen a while back, you've posted stuff like saying, go ahead and say the best, you know, or say best, whatever, or, you know, I used to call them tag modifiers, but, you know, putting those kinds of things in there, it's okay if it's relevant, you know, and because people want to know what's the best solution for blank, you know, that's something that I've noticed. So having a Google review in there. I was like, that's great. It'll Mm -hmm. pick that up sometimes.
1: But as you, as you say, I mean, if you can get your clients to say the best, Mm -hmm. that's even more powerful. If your clients are saying it, then the child is really going to start believing it because it's other people saying it about you as opposed to you saying it about yourself. Right. Um, and then right at the bottom, we have people also search for, which is basically their competitors at the bottom of their Google business profile. Google lists alternative restaurants I don't like at that. the bottom, which I is kind of annoying.
2: <laughs> yeah, everybody hates that. They're always like, can we get rid of that? Can we change that? And I just kind of shrug and go like, eh, you know, I don't think we can. No. <laughs>
1: You you can. Um, And right at the end, we'll see, in fact, for CaliCube, hours have disappeared, and I don't know why. And I only (laughs) found that out today. So there's a mystery I'll need to solve. Um, Here's some Google My Business, Google Business Profile, sorry, for doctors. Uh, They tend to be really poor, badly filled in, no reviews. Um, Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because a lot of doctors don't know they exist. Another reason is that a lot of doctors work within health centers and hospitals. And the hospital or health center simply don't deal with it. And another reason is doctors keep moving from hospital to hospital or work in multiple hospitals, and it's incredibly complicated and very rarely are they well-filled in. Hmm. Roxy Cinema. Uh, It's a movie theatre in New York City, so we're getting closer to your home. Um, And the description that Google has written is old-school intimate theatre featuring news independent and foreign films plus standard concessions so you know fairly basic but i wanted to look here at the people also search for which is in, uh, in the nearby restaurants. so we've got people also search for cinema village film center regency battery pack tourist attractions around and cinemas around it but they've actually added a second line of these different alternatives but they're things you would want to do after the cinema such as restaurant mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting development is Google is now saying, right, once you've been to the cinema, we know you're probably going to go and eat. So they're going <laughs> to suggest restaurants so that you already have that thing, that's thought, uh, which means for the restaurants around the cinema, that's an opportunity. Right. Yeah. It's very difficult to manage, but it's an opportunity and it's somewhere where you might well appear. So you can think not only about appearing on your competitor's Google business profile, but also complementary services and businesses which wow. is a really interesting concept interesting
0: but you don't again, i mean you see that but again Sorry. that's something you don't control no as the user that's something that google is doing on its own
1: right yeah as, as the brand serp guy i can now officially state uh on my own bat and it's all my own idea is that those are arguably the most difficult thing to control on a brand <laughs> They're the thing that I haven't been able to master so far, and I say so far because I intend to figure this out, <laughs> but right now, if you said to me anything on my Brand set, can we can we correct it? Can we make it better? Can we change it? I would say yes. I think I can either get rid of it or I can improve it or I can convince Google to change the message. This is the one thing where I would say right now I can try, I can help, but I can't give you any kind of real. It wouldn't be a guarantee anyway, but even any real hope, because we're not sure how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And th- now we've got the Batar restaurant, which is what uh, you <laughs> wanted. I think it was Mitch who wanted this that one. J- because- no,
2: I, I want I because you said it was like a dirty word in French, and I'm just like, <laughs> <That's awesome>. okay. <laughs> it, it's just a went there. Rude
1: word in French. Yeah, it's a rude word in French, and it's a really posh restaurant. It's got four dollar signs, so it's quite expensive. It just Ooh. seems and such, it's a French it, restaurant. It
0: Seems like such a French thing to do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and honestly i only put this screen up because i love the name of the restaurant um and it happened to be on the screen before i mean is there anything that dra- grabs your attention on this
3: uh the reserve a table yeah no that's uh that's new i've used that before
1: uh-huh. right yeah i'm I'm not really sure about them I mean, because obviously reserve a table is, is going to be only for restaurants and mm-hmm. perhaps cinemas for reserve a seat maybe yeah
3: well, and I think it usually the 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 times I've used it, it runs through Open Table. I think is the yeah. the platform that right. it pulls in from. So, I assume you can control Open Table to hopefully influence, or maybe there's a direct connection between.
2: I've done that before on uh, on WordPress sites for local restaurants here in Louisville, uh, mm-hmm. where it's uh. just they've had an Open Table account. There's a plugin actually for WordPress. Right, there's seventy five thousand plugins in WordPress. So you know if you thought of it, it's probably mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, I've done that before and it's influenced, uh, this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, including showing like, I think right. some other schema data with like, uh, not men, maybe not menu. It's been a while, but you know, like some other things that you would find useful if you want to reserve a table, like, Hey, we have like X, Y, Z eggs, biscuits, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And uh, in
1: fact, there are a couple of things that just occurred to me. Uh, Mitch, you were talking about the, um, the time people, uh, sorry, the, the busiest times. Right. Uh, here we can see not only does Google say the busy times, but it also says no wait. So they, they're saying right now, you don't have to wait for a table. Hmm. And it also says people typically spend two and a half hours here. Wow. So people obviously take their the time eating. And it's giving me information saying, you know, if you want to sit down and, and, and take a long time over your meal like the French often do. Uh, And Google, once again, is tracking that using the Android phones. It knows people sit down and stay in the restaurant for two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And that's another important point is repeat visits from people with Android phones are a signal to Google that the business has satisfied that user. So if you're a coffee shop and Google knows that the person often walks past your coffee shop and you went in there once and you never go back, that's a negative signal. Mm. If Mm. you keep going back every day, that's a positive signal. So there's these implicit signals that Google's also using to rank your business. So that's kind of scary but important. And the other thing is in the reviews, you can see they've got some uh, bolded terms, and they've bolded mm-hmm. walk, night, food, service, meal, staff, bartender, salmon, and chicken. Those are the words in the reviews that Google sees coming up over and over again, and it sees them as being important. Mm-hmm. Or and or. Queries that people make around this restaurant. So mm-hmm. what Google's doing is it's highlighting the terms on this brand search for the brand search on this restaurant, the terms that it thinks are relevant to the users, the clients, the customers, the uh, the foodie people who go to Bata restaurant, which is phenomenally complicated and really interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've always and I've always noticed that even in just doing a, a search on Google, you know, in the search result page where it will bold. Certain things. I haven't paid attention lately if it's still doing that, but. It does it a lot. Yeah. I, I, Sorry. Yeah. No, you're right. No, you're fine. I, I looked, I, I try to like use that intuitively to kind of like, okay, well, if this is what's, you know, being looked at a lot or searched a lot. I need to really, really think about how I'm implementing my strategy for this page that I'm trying to get, you know, mm-hmm. an yeah. indexed you know, cause that if I'm, if they're looking for chicken and I'm trying to be fancy and say like bird something you know then <laughs> i probably want to maybe just just call the thing the thing you know right <laughs> that was a signal
3: to google way back in the day did that uh, uh yeah that was a
2: myth or a... Sounds like it. i i can't i don't know jason was that a myth i i, I kind of feel like it kind of was but i know that people did it a lot
1: right back in the day when i started i started in 1998 yes it was a thing um like google I... have said it, well, Google have actually said it helps the algorithm understand if you do it honestly.
2: Yeah, right.
1: But the alg- they've trained the algorithm to spot when you're not doing it honestly. So if you're going to bold things, bold the things that are important, like Google are doing here. I mean, they can't really say to you, you're not allowed to bold things on your website when they're doing it on theirs. Yeah. So perhaps the trick here would be to say, right, these are the words that Google thinks are important for my customers. I should be, as you said, Jason, focusing on these words, potentially mm-hmm. bolding them—not not for Google, but because my customers are yeah. going to react very positively to these. And if anybody knows, Google knows. And obviously, you also know by asking your customers when they come in your your restaurant or your shop. So don't ever forget the human aspect. Is that Google knows a lot, but you know your customers.
2: Mm-hmm. I really, Guy. I'm glad you said that because it remember. I, Reminds me of what um, a friend of ours, Diana Richardson from Simrush always says, you know, it's, it's people optimization, not search engine optimization, I think is what she says. Um, And, you know, it's like, yeah, we sometimes forget as we're doing this that, you know, we're,
3: there's this intermediary yeah, (laughs) (laughs) between, you know, the brand website and Google, there's the person. And if they're reacting positively, I mean, that user signal. Yeah. is, is what Google wants to see.
2: Yeah. 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 Do, it for, do it for the people. Do it because you love the people. Don't make it you in web. We always say like, well, why, why do you want to do that in web? Why do you want to put that there? And there's like, well, I just wanted that there. It's like, yeah, why do you want to make your users angry? That's what we always or tell them. Think. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> or think, yeah. Don't make them think. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, and I think that back in the day, like when you said like uh, in the nineties, you know, the markup for bolding, the HTML was different. It was a a b tag. Now it's actually yeah. says strong. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there's also span tags now and things like that, that allow you to put in some of that schema as well uh, into that. So there's, there's a lot of cool things that if you're knowledgeable about the code, as well as paying attention to, like we're talking about now, the people aspect, uh, you can make a really strong page, which will lead to some of these results we're seeing here with uh, informing right. Google about some of this stuff. So, uh, and, yeah.
1: I mean, and importantly, use them wisely, use them honestly, and use them to help your users, as yes. you said, and, and Google will pick up on it. Uh, and if if, you, if there's a mismatch, it, it will either ignore it or it will just rank you lower. So kind of I, I would suggest, yeah, as you said, work towards your customers using Google as a source of great information about your customers. But remember, you actually know your real customers, whereas Google doesn't have them face to face. So you can ask them questions, which sounds obvious but i think a lot of people forget (laughs) um
2: yeah Uh, well i mean sometimes that's just uh, you know i i got a survey a few days ago and some of the questions on there i'm like i don't know if you want to ask people that question but um (laughs) you know i'm protecting identities but it's like you know it's it's a good that they're at least receptive to you know ask and want to know as they go about what they're trying to accomplish, um, it's rare. Yeah.
0: Well, and if, if and if, if if customers, the people you're acting with in your business, like you enough, they they want to help you. They want to see you succeed. Yeah. They 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 want other people to know about you. So they're they're generally a willing, they can be a willing participant in helping you do these do these things and gather information and and do the things to to promote your business.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, I was kind of slightly surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm finishing writing a book now, and I was wondering kind of. Who, who I could get interested in the book and, and and if I could get some people to pre-read it to, to give me some critique. And a lot of people from my customer base are incredibly keen to help. And it is really, they want to help me because they like my business and they like hopefully they like me a little bit as well. But um, it, it is this, this generosity of spirit, which is saying, I love your business. I love what you're doing. I'm happy to help. And put time in, which is important, because time is absolutely the most valuable thing we have.
2: Mm. Yep. Yep. And on that note, sir, we won't keep you much longer, but we do (laughs) want to thank you for coming on and sharing all this. Uh, You're the last episode. Uh, You can go to nerd brand. Just look for us on uh, YouTube and find it. Uh, watch that one it's not like a it's not like a marvel cinematic universe thing you don't need to watch that one before this one but <laughs> you know it's it's that show's pretty popular i'll tell you jason it it really is um people we looked at the i looked at the numbers on that and it's it's probably one of our top five mm-hmm. uh where people watch yeah so it's uh it, i always look forward to having you on because i know that this is a topic that's always of interest i, I can see Robert in the booth, kind of nodding his head a lot, like, "Okay, wow, well, all right." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well This, is, I mean, this is crucial stuff. I mean, yeah. in in an age where <clears throat> where Google has so much power over how your your brand exists in the, in, in in the real world, and uh-huh. there's great tools there that are at your disposal, and there's great great things you can leverage that can help you to promote and get the message out about your your brand. Um, somebody like, like Jason makes it, it can seem, I mean, especially somebody like me who comes from the creative side of things. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a algorithm guy. I'm not a, you know, I don't sit down and do formulas all day long. It, it can seem daunting yeah. because Google has all this information and seems to have so much authority and power, but it can be leveraged. If mm. you know how to, again, I'll go back to that word choreograph. If you know how to, to, to utilize the, the assets you have at your disposal, you can make this work for you and make it a huge, powerful tool to, to help yeah. you succeed.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah.
0: And, I would. And
1: just one thing that that's absolutely brilliantly said, Mitch. And the, the thing is, the most powerful tool is looking at your own brand search. What does Google show your audience when you search your yes. own brand name? Right. It shows them what it thinks is valuable, helpful, and relevant to their relationship with you with from them as a customer to you as a business. And if that is wrong, you need to re educate Google. And if it's right, you can make it better. But it's a, a reflection of how Google perceives your customers' perception of you. And
0: yeah. since everybody goes to Google first these days, it's vital. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. kind of a preview of what ongoing SEO services are like. I mean, that's a part of it. You yeah. kind of have to keep going back and checking to see how you look. I mean, we do it um you know just to kind of see how we look like right now we've been busy with other things but you know i try to do it like on sundays (laughs) yeah (laughs) same here i go look
3: at our i mean our brand serp has improved massively i mean we're a two-year-old business but you know Uh over the course of a year i mean the podcast has definitely that that panel has shown up and it's shown up in in search results much more you know much more prominently so yeah uh, we've taken a lot we're of, doing are working
2: yeah we've taken a lot a lot of your advice jason and followed your lead on some of this stuff and watching you post on linkedin so i i don't probably don't think it's really necessary to tell people where to go find you because honestly if they google you look up your name on linkedin i mean there's like tons of places they're going to find you so obviously yeah. uh yeah look up jason bernard i know you have one last slide that was jason bernard nerd <laughs> Right. do You want to touch on that one because it's. A... I'll,
1: I'll I'll go back to it. It's it, part of this idea of educating Google is. You I, this is a silly game and it isn't serious and it isn't supposed to prove anything in particular except. A friend of mine, said, "Oh, why don't we just call you Brett Jason Brandnerd? Wouldn't that be funny? Because it sounds a bit like Barnard." And I said, <laughs> "Okay." Can I get Google to recognize that Jason Brandnerd is a synonym for Jason Barnard? And the answer is yes. And it took me a week for Google (laughs) to show a feature snippet when you type in who is Jason Brandnerd, which is the query we're looking at now. And it shows a feature snippet where I explain Jason Brandnerd is a term coined by Anders Short, who's my friend on 30th of <laughs> April 2021 in response to a LinkedIn post, message to Anders Yacht. And, so, and basically, I just explain the concept. I explain that it's a synonym. And because I am an authority on myself, mm-hmm. Google trusts me. It believes what I said. And the synonym basically took a week to become a truth in this child's mind, which is delightful.
2: Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> and on that, that's how we're going to end the show because that right there, everybody's going to latch onto that and be like, wait, what? <laughs> Cause that's amazing. Uh, we thank you so much for coming back. Uh, we love having you on. It's the, the information you have and you, the one compliment that I've heard from people is you have a way of explaining it and breaking it down into understandable terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a gift to do, be able to do that. It's a gift, talent, whatever you want to equate, equate that to. But Thank that's you. that's the feedback I've always gotten. It's like I actually understood what he meant when because there's a lot of people out there that say, Here's how Google works. And then they've mm-hmm. watched your the previous episode when you were with us and they're like, Oh, that makes much more sense. Uh so I think you've oh, uh, wait, wait, Yeah. Yeah. So you've added a nice little layer with this episode and coming on today with us and Again, for those listening out there uh, on audio, uh, go check us out on YouTube to see uh, Jason's presentation and some of this stuff that he's uh, shown us. The panels, yeah, all these panels and everything. It's it's uh, really fascinating uh, to kind of look at and go through, uh, and it's been educational for me this morning because uh, I know it's probably like you're what six hours difference between us so you're yeah
1: it's it's late afternoon here
2: yeah so you know but uh i've i really appreciate your time and taking that out of your afternoon to come on the show and, and, and chat with us and um
1: We're... It was an absolute pleasure, and what you just said is actually really touching, and I'm now blushing for people <laughs> listening to the audio. I'm blus- blushing as red as my shirt.
2: Uh, well, you know, it's true. Uh, they've said it. Uh, so, But anyways, you can uh, find the Nerd Brand Podcast uh, just by, you know, John,
3: you want to search Nerd Brand Podcast and tell us if we're doing an alright <laughs> job. That's right.
2: And
0: <laughs> Jason, Mr. Bernard, do you want to remind people where they can find you? Yeah, I mean,
1: one, one of the other things about Brand which I really like, is if you search my name, Jason Barnard, you can see my site, Twitter, YouTube, podcasts, and articles I've written. And basically, for me, the idea of my Brand is it gives you the choice how you want to interact with me. There
0: you go. Brilliantly Whether said, you yeah. want to
1: hang out on Twitter or on LinkedIn or read my articles or listen to the podcast or come onto my site and learn about my private life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a now there, there's a whole other podcast.
2: Okay,
0: all right. And on that note, everybody,
2: thank you for listening. <laughs> like, subscribe. <laughs> and again, thank you all for out there for listening. Like, subscribe. Find us at NerdBrand Agency on, as a as a handle for all of our social media. Again, I encourage you to go to YouTube, uh, click the bell, get the latest subscription videos and all that. Jason, thank you for coming on. And to everybody out there,
0: remember keep your Nurbrain.